Right, so guidance. One of the most surely important topics in our Christian life, how do we hear from God? And as an undergraduate, I, I remember it being a really sort of uh, hot topic that we always talked about and spoke about. So I'm going to look at this slightly differently. I'm going to ask the question, first of all, guidance, it's really, the question is really, what is God saying to you? That's what this is about. Now, a little while ago, I was doing a teaching session on the Lord's Prayer. And after the session, uh, a very nice man came up to me, I think in his sort of late 50s, um, and asked me the question. He said, how can I know that I can do God's will if I don't know it? Now, this was in a, uh, how should I describe it, a scriptural first tradition church. Um, where everything is biblically based, which is good. I'm not against that at all. But what he was basically saying is, unless I can find God's word through the scripture, I'm not going to know God's word, am I? And I was saying, uh, let's look at the Lord's Prayer, which starts, Our Father, who is in heaven. Then the next bit comes about, Your kingdom come, your will be done, which is the bit he picked me up on. So it starts with, our Father. So I'm going back onto that territory that I never seem to leave, and I'm glad I occupy it. Christianity is about a relationship. The relationship we have with God. So therefore the question, what is God saying to us, can be rephrased. It's more about how do you work a relationship and what applies to that question between you and God applies between you and everybody else. It's all about a relationship. And we read um, Hebrews 1-2 this morning. Um, long ago, many times and in many ways, God spoke to, us um, spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us. How? Through his son. And the scripture is pushing the humanity of the Son on earth. In other words, the relationship. So we're looking at a relationship. So we've got statement here about our Father who is in heaven. We have relationship, a statement about the Son. In the last days, God spoke to us through the Son. Anybody guess what I'm going to come up with next? Yeah, here we are, John 16, verses 13 to 15. When the spirit of truth comes, this is Jesus talking, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but by whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, and he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And all that the Father has is mine, therefore I say that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And in the same passages, a little bit earlier on, a few verses earlier on, Jesus is still speaking. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, that is the Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. That's uh, John 16, 7 and 8. So the Holy Spirit's role is to convict the world of 
sin and of judgment. In other words, the Holy Spirit's role is to communicate with us, to speak with us, or speak with, with. So we have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all involved in this communication with us, of telling us how to find God's word. Now, I'm going to put a little uh, aside in here, because I find, I find this rather amusing. Um, it's pretty common today for Christians to be challenged on the internet about the Trinity. And the statement that is often made is one plus one plus one equals three. It equals three. One plus one plus one equals three. So how can you Christians believe you only have one God? Well, just pause for a minute and think about that because it's grossly insulting to God. Okay. How big is God? Anybody like to put a number on it? There is one you could actually put on it. What's the number that you could say God was big as? Uh, who? Infinity. Exactly. So, what's infinity plus infinity plus infinity? Infinity. Problem over. Okay, we have one God in three persons, all of whom are infinite. All who lead to the infinity of God. So let's put that to one side. So, okay, the first thing to focus on when understanding how God speaks to us is that it is through relationship. And we have to build that relationship with God in order to find out and hear how God is speaking to us. So, this morning we're going to ask the questions, how do relationships work? So the first question, the first point is this, there are two sides to all relationships. Any relationship you're in, you can start assessing it on these two sides. The first side is what you don't do. And the second side is what you do do. Which is why we have this statement from, about, from the Holy Spirit. He convicts the world of sin. A colleague of mine um, once summed up Christian counselling in two words. Stop it. Okay, that might be a bit harsh, but, but basically, <laughs> when you boil it down, it, it sort of sums up the whole of CBT and everything, you know, stop it. You might need help to stop it. I can sympathise with you. I can empathise. All these words, yes. We can listen to you, but at the end of the day, stop it. So, if you're going to build a relationship with God, first thing you have to do in all humility is to look at your life and find out, look at the things that you are doing that you ought not to be doing. How do we find those out? Well, the Bible is rather full of them. So I'm not going to go there this morning with a big long list. I'm just going to leave you with a, a list of things that are uh, thoughts about things that you shouldn't be doing. You can divide them into three groups, if you like. Um, very universal things in all relationships. That if you want a relationship to work, here are some universal things you must not put into it. Okay? Simple ones. Don't steal from them. Right? Doesn't matter who they are, it's not going to work if you're nicking out their back pocket or even front pocket. Okay? Don't disrespect them. General. Doesn't matter what the relationship is. Don't mock them. So these are things that cover all relationships, and therefore they also apply to God. 
What's our tithing like? What's our giving like? What's our worship like? If we're lacking in these areas, we're going to be lacking in our relationship with God. Then there are specific things or situational things that come into the specific parts of a relationship. One of those is obedience, really. Um, One expects one's children to obey for their safety and for the way they grow up. In a friendship relationship, you may not always obey your friend. Your friend may counsel you and you may disagree, but that's part of a friendship relationship. So obedience is something that is specific to general types of relationships. And then you come down to personal things that are personal to relationships. For example, the best cook in the world is my wife, Jason's the second. Um, but the best, but she knows better than to make me a meal full of marzipan. I don't, can't, don't like marzipan. You may think that's wonderful, but for me it wouldn't be a good idea. If I gave her a wonderful gift of a wiggly spider, I, I think I may have some answering to do. So there are some things which are personal. So look at this in your relationship with God. Are there things, not, we're not always talking about major big things, you know, going out and doing terrible things. Where are the small things in your relationship with God that are getting in the way? Now, God is a father and is generous and may well be forgiving you much of this, um, even overlooking it. But the call of the Holy Spirit is to challenge you with it and ask you to look at it. Now, I'm not talking here about salvation. You know, we are, our sins are forgiven so we are eternally saved. I'm talking about in the context of your relationship. One of the big errors you can make is to think, my sins are forgiven, therefore I can treat God like I want. No, it won't work. Some things you don't do. Now, let's look at the things that you do do in a relationship that makes a relationship work. Now, the first thing that is important for any relationship, and this is my personal stance on this, some of you may be be psychologists and disagree with me, but even from a psychological counselling point of view, here is the first thing that matters in any relationship, and it is to understand the nature of that relationship. I would say that nearly 50% of relationships which are failing are often due to a failure to understand the nature of the relationship. Now, it's teaching, treating people in a way they should not be treated. This, this can be wide in all sorts of contexts, but you must understand the nature of the relationship. God is our Father, and the Scripture says, who is in heaven. And it sets out for us who he is. He is the creator God in heaven. He is not Father Christmas. And so many Christians approach God with the idea that he is Father Christmas. If I want something, I'm asking God. If I didn't get it, I'm cross with God. Why didn't God do this? Why didn't God do that? That's fine if you're a child of six. It's not fine if you're an adult. And it certainly doesn't work in a Christian relationship. There comes a time we have to start growing up. God is not Father Christmas. He is the creator God 
who teaches us in that wonderful prayer Jesus gave us, his will be done, not your will. You are here to serve him. He is not here to serve you. Understand the nature of the relationship that you have with God. He is the creator God who has saved you at huge price and given you the opportunity to live in fellowship with him within the relationship that he has set. Understand the nature of that relationship. And that will affect your worship. It will affect your your prayer life. It will affect everything around you when you understand to whom you are coming. We are little finite beings. He is infinite. The gap between you and the beetle you crushed on your foot accidentally this morning, between that and you is smaller than the gap between you and God. Sometimes we need to think about these things. This is the nature of the creator God. I'm sure we've all enjoyed looking at some of these programs now that map out space for us and tell us how big it is and tell us how many planets there are and this, that and the other. He made that. This is who he is. Understand the nature of our relationship with God and come before him without fear and come before him with love, yes, but also with respect and awe. And don't forget who he is. So the first point in any relationship, understand the nature of that relationship. The second thing that happens in any relationship, particularly good ones, is you do something. You communicate. No communication, probably no relationship. So this is so obvious, but it's, it's essential to our Christian life. We communicate, and communication is a two-way process that involves what? Listening and speaking. And where is one of the commonest problems in Christian relationships with God? Not only do they see him as Father Christmas, but they won't shut up. Listen. Listening to God is more important than actually talking to him. Jesus said he knows what you're going to say before you say it. The talking to God is for your benefit. He knows what you're going to say. It's your therapy to talk to God. He doesn't need to hear it. You may need to say it. But listening, listening is the key to building a relationship. The ability to listen to the other side. Now, prayer is listening as well as speaking. And someone may ask me, where does prayer come into this? Prayer is here. It's in the communication. Prayer is both listening and speaking. And of course, how do we listen to God today? Well, he gave us the scriptures. So let's listen to them. If we're going to develop a relationship, we have to take what we've been given. We take the scriptures that God has given to us and we need to build our understanding of them. Don't be overawed by parts you can't understand. Don't be overawed if you, you're not one of those people who can just memorize Greek passages of it. I, I never can do that. I'm, I'm in awe of people who can. Three verses and I'm gone. And some people are there giving out all of that's But that's it. You don't have to understand it all. You don't have to learn it all. But I strongly suggest you, you need to listen to it. Let God speak to you through the scriptures, his word. 
Listen. You can speak back. You can talk back. Of course you can talk back. But listening is at least as important, if not more important, than speaking. So if we're going to find out what God is saying to us in terms of guidance, we listen through the scriptures, through the contexts of knowing the nature of the relationship. Third thing that happens in all relationships. Support. We've all been, everybody here by definition has been a child, okay? Which of you never complained about your parents to some of your friends? You all did. We all did. We needed the support of our friends to understand our parents. Most of you have been parents. Which of you have never complained to other parents about the nature of your children? We need support. We need to share. We need to talk. We need to hear from other people. Both people who are in our peer level and people who are sometimes wiser than we are. But we're, God made us like this. He made us needing support. Relationships are supported by other relationships. I don't think I can ever think of a relationship where there are two people alone on their own. There's always something else going on around them in whatever form. We need that support from each other. And so it is with our Christian relationship. And we find that we need the support and the relationship of other Christians. You can call this church life. You can call it fellowship. You can call it um, receiving the teaching or people who are gifted at teaching or people who are pastoral workers. Whatever you want to call it, it's support. And it's support that God has given us mainly through the, uh, through the church. So again, find out, finding God's guidance the word of God, support of the church and other Christians. And this is true for all relationships. They all have this support element. With the support element, though, you need a little bit of wisdom as to who you go to. Um, it comes back to understanding the nature of the relationship. I spent yesterday um, out in the countryside a little bit with some friends and they had a lot of dogs. And it's amazing watching the relationship between the dogs and the people. And I was with one family that had three dogs and two children. And me being me, of course, I'm sitting there looking at how the relationships work. And there's quite a lot of similarity between the relationships between the parents and the dogs and the parents and the children. But there's also a relationship between the children and the dogs. And the dogs suggest you you know what dogs are like, you tell them what to do, and if they don't, you shout at them. Um, you don't the children. I mean, they, they were far above that. But it was interesting to watch the dynamic going on here and the, the support that is needed between each of these groups. So when we understand the nature of the relationship, it's easier for us to find appropriate support. So finding the correct type of support is important. Hence, the importance of church life. Right, lastly... The fourth thing that I think holds up all relationships. It doesn't matter what it is, you can, you can measure it against these things. This sounds simple, but um, it's quite involved. Okay, reality. Reality. Good relationships 
are in the real world. They're not fanciful. They're not fairy tales. They're not the sort of magic. They're not make-believe. If you are in that walk of life where you maybe rub shoulders with people with personality disorders or psychiatric conditions and things like that, one of the issues you realize is that they're slipping away from reality. Often, for, well, for many, many reasons, but truthful relationships are built in a real reality. Romans 1, 19 to 21. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. And that's a big statement. It's an often overlooked statement, this, but it's a big, big statement. What can be known about God is plain, says the scripture. God has shown it to them, says the scripture. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. How? In things that have been made. So they're without excuse. And it's talking here about people who denied the existence of God. But if that's true for them, it's also true for us. God isn't hiding things from us. The nature of God can be seen in the things that have been made. In other words, it's an appeal to reason. It's an appeal to reason. And the scripture, over and over again, appeals to reason. In the Old Testament, the New Testament appeals to reason. We should not be frightened of using reason. And if I say it here, we should not be frightened to call out Christian groups who do not appeal to reason. And appeal to fanciful thinking, magic, fairy tales, I said this happened so therefore it did type of teaching and theology. That needs to be called out. And one of the problems of the last 20, 30, 40 years is many Christians have failed to call that out. And I personally believe it's one of the reasons for the weakness of the church in the Western world is that Western Christians did not call that out when it started to come out and charlatanism became a, a method of growing churches. Yeah, I'm not going to go down there. Look to reason. God asks us to and gives us the opportunity to look to reason. So, how then can we find God's guidance? We can sum this up really quite quickly. Firstly, it's in the context of a relationship. It's not a book of rules. It's not like the highway code. Get the highway code up, there it is. It's not like that. And some people treat the Bible like that. It's not how it's supposed to be read. Okay, it's not the highway code. It is in the context of a relationship. Understanding the nature of God and that who, the, who the God is that we serve. So, it's in the context of a relationship. There are things you don't do. And there are things you do. The things you do, we can simply sum them up. We listen and speak. In other words, we pray and read the Bible. We find support. In other words, we find our life in the church with other Christians. And we apply reason. 
And if you take those simple messages, you will find it much easier to hear God's word. So, I repeat them. It's in the context of a relationship. Know and understand the nature of that relationship. There are things you don't do, and not leave that to you to find out what those are. And there are things you do do. Listen and hear and speak in prayer, meditation, and the word of God. Find help and support through the church, through other Christian groups, or where God leads you. And lastly, use the reason and the mind that God gave you. Do those things, and God's will will start becoming a lot plainer and clearer than maybe it has been. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you that you are not a silent God. You're not a God who lives on the other side of a universe. You're not a God who created this and ran away. You're not a God who leaves us to our own devices. But you're a God who invites us to be intimately involved with you, to spend our lives seeking you and serving you and worshipping you. You're a God who gives us the opportunity to live this life in the sure and certain hope of the time that we were spent in eternity with you. We thank you for this wonderful gift you've given us and you, you provide this law through the amazing sacrifice of your, your son in the person of the Trinity. All we can do, Lord, is come back to you, is thank you, and ask that you help us and guide us in the relationship that you offer us in Jesus Christ. Amen.